Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's a weekend set to divide the landscape of FPL. Those with more Salah and those without. At home to Bournemouth, there'll even be some captain's armbands not worn by Erling Haaland. What an innovative idea. Welcome to Game Week 2. And hello... It's the FPL podcast on Fantasy Football Community, a show that embraces everything about the world of fantasy football. I am Mark Jobling, and with me, as always, is Lewis from FPL Reactions. How are you doing in general? I don't know, we're going we're gonna to cover your Game Week 1 performance very soon, but apart from that... Yeah, really good. It's good to be back again, Mark. I'm really looking forward to Game Week 2, discussing Game Week 2 stuff. Um, but yeah, we'll cover, like you said, we'll cover game week one shortly. But yeah, good, to, good to be here. Well, great to have you back because since last week's podcast, we've already had a, a few major pieces of FPL news really that, that have an impact. We have seen Harry Kane leave Tottenham for Bayern Munich last week. It was just sort of in that will he, won't he sort of phase. Mm. Um, and that feels quite odd seeing him in a different even when you just see Kane doing his press conferences it's just like whoa yeah it's it's weird isn't it because we're so used to Kane being a consistent FPL asset asset for so long and to not have that anymore I mean it obviously creates a lot more budget for players as well doesn't it but yeah no I, I watched the um I watched the German cup with Kane um playing yeah it was bizarre to see him in a bind shirt very bizarre. And of course, the narrative straight away was, oh, well, on his first day, he's going to win a trophy. But, but, but then he didn't. So that was kind of, mm. I don't know which was more inevitable when when people said that. Was it more inevitable that they would win a trophy on day one or that well, he's brought his spurs with him? Uh, but <laughs> yes, um, I think it's just delaying the inevitable there when it comes to buying. Um other transfers include David Raya to Arsenal, James Ward-Prowse to West Ham, and I guess of interest to you is Moises Caicedo to Chelsea for an eye-watering 115 million. You're probably happy with that one, yeah? 
Yeah, I think we, I think Lavia has also completed the medical. To be honest, do you know what? It's it's nice to see uh, central midfield has become um, more known and, and and appreciated in the in amongst football fans, and and, and it's nice to see the. Um, than be bought for that much as well, you know, because we've seen so many superstars, you know, you know, Messi, Neymar, all that those sort of players go for so much money, and uh, but yeah, it's nice to see um, central midfielders get a bit of um, respect to their names, I suppose, in terms of valuation and stuff. And also, it's, it sounds today um, we're, we're recording this on Thursday that um, at first it might seem a bit strange that Chelsea would willingly sell. To Newcastle, but Lewis Hall that seems to have stepped up from rumour to real transfer link, hasn't it? Yeah, Hall, I mean, Hall is such a good player um, at, at such a young age as well, but I think what Hall wants is more game time and that's something that Chelsea at the moment can't offer him, um, so if it comes to kind of, I mean, I'd be, I'd be kind of it'd be sad to see him go you know we we need to kind of nurture the the youth that we have got and um, but when players you know want game time it's difficult isn't it yeah left back seems to be a bit uh a bit crowded right now for, for Chelsea um because I think I think Newcastle are going to use him as a, as a left back more than a midfielder absolutely because that's that's been our I think going into the summer that was you look at the start in 11 and immediately it was like left back. That's the weakness left back. Mm. And no offense to Dan Byrne, who's done a superb job, but, uh, but yeah, left back was needed. And at, at first it was, I guess when you see the Lewis Hall rumor, it's like, well, incredible talent, but 18 year old, like should Newcastle, should we be looking more for a right now sort of talent? But I think it's maybe too good to turn down if, if Chelsea are willing to sell such a talent, such a highly regarded talent, um, who's apparently a Newcastle fan. Did you know that? I didn't. No, I didn't know that. No, you're right though. He, he is a he is a he is a top talent. I think it's weird to expect more game time at 18 years old, but I mean maybe something happened with Pop. Sure, I don't, I'm not too sure, but yeah, sad to see him go if he does go. Tough one, and then we've also had injuries FPL wise, a couple of major injuries because Timber got a big knee injury on his Arsenal league debut, which is such a shame. It sounds like I don't know, is a time frame being given? It, it, it might be like quite a lot of the season for him. Yeah, I think he's gonna he is gonna miss a huge chunk of the season, which is a shame, really, isn't it? Because they've only just signed him, oh, um, but yeah. apparently, apparently, he did have. He did have an issue anyway, um, but yeah, Arsenal made all the checks that they needed to make, and he was okay. And but yeah, yeah, such a such an unfortunate incident that. And then for Kevin De Bruyne, it's it's not quite the whole season, but um, that's a huge play for Manchester City. His hamstring has gone again, just like in the Champions League final, and and that's him out for several months, taking us beyond Christmas apparently. So that 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 could have a big FPL impact on other players really uh, Haaland's service uh, game time for the likes of Ford and Alvarez 100% KDB was their biggest assist last season wasn't he such a kind of large part of the the attacking unit um, for Manchester City I just I just think he, he is going to be a loss um, that's for sure whether or not it whether or not it 
hinders Haaland's returns is you know we we're yet to see. I suppose he picked up a couple of turns in game week one um without um Kevin De Bruyne. But but yeah, I mean it does open up the doors as well for other players, doesn't it? It totally does because the the well, it seems like they were already after Lucas Paqueta anyway from West Ham, but uh whether it's him or somebody else, it seems like that that sort of immediate transfer will will escalate. Mm. But uh, you know, does that does that new signing go straight into the team or or does uh does somebody else get immediate minutes? We'll find out. And how how was your how was your game week one in general, Lewis? Yeah, it was um it was a good start, to be honest. I had a really good start. I had I um ended up hitting eighty points, which which is quite good. I think the template uh, the template had a strong start, didn't it? I mean, mm. the whole situation with um, Gabriel and Saliba, that was um, a massive kind of turning point for many people's game, game weeks, wasn't it? Because it was, you know, it was late rumours that Gabriel was unavailable or at least wouldn't be starting for any reason. I'm not too sure what the reason was. It ended up being kind of suggested that it was a tactical reason by Arteta, but still long term, maybe an issue for Gabriel or, or not. But yeah, no, in the end, that was probably one of the biggest, although it didn't seem like one of the biggest swings because it was only a, you know, it was only a four point swing. It was quite an important moment, wasn't it, to start the season with because, you know, we've already touched upon Timber. A lot of people may have switched to Timber. Um, I think only picked up one point in a long term injury. So he's now a transfer arm. And then you've got the likes of, um, you've got the likes of Saliba, who, who picked up an assist. He should have scored as well and arguably picked up a, a clean sheet. So the swing wasn't that big in the end. But yeah, overall, it was a it was a good start to the game week. You know, the very template. Chilwell did well. He could have scored. He probably could have picked up more as well, to be honest, against and against Liverpool as well. Um, mm. I had Mbou- I opted for Mbouma in the end rather than the likes of Richarlison, Madison, Foden. Um, and he came through. I mean, he 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 did miss a big chance, um, but he also took a penalty and scored, which is a positive. You know, a penalty on the first day, you, you can't really ask for much better than that, can you, from an asset who takes penalties? And uh, Martinelli re- looked really lively as well. He he um, he only picked up an assist, but again, it could have been more um, there. But yeah, no, an overall good week, Mark. Did you did you have time to change Gabriel? Yes, yeah, so I was I was watching a stream, a live stream, and the news kind of came through. I got loads of DMs as well saying saying that um saying that he could be potentially out. And this was a couple of minutes before the deadline. Now I was trying a lot. I think I feel like there was an issue with the service, but uh, yeah, when I chat with the team, um, yeah, Saliba was there. Luckily enough, uh, I just I didn't see it until it was. Basically too late, unfortunately, because right up until the 6.30 deadline, I was just thinking, surely there's a team that that can do a team with more Salah in it because it was really, really, really wanting him. Um, and like there's the team that eventually was settled on, but there was always like, oh, but you know what? Salah over Fernandez, you know, a bit of money can be made elsewhere. Yeah. It was always just half a million off. Um. So it was just sort of going to the deadline with that panicking. And it wasn't until afterwards that I heard about Gabrielle and then thought, you know what? 
if I'd known that a little bit earlier, probably would have avoided all Arsenal completely. Um, made him a four point five, and there we are. We'd have had it. It would have. Been... <laughs> so there's instant regret after the deadline, and it's it's not great this week because it's all about Salah. But um, actually, the eighty three points was was good. Was was I was really happy with the eighty three. Um. For this one week, although we'll see after Saturday how, uh, which what the correct decision really was, um, I guess it would have been Salah and Visser and Diaby rather than Fernandez, Watkins, and Bumo. But mm. Watkins did get his assist, and Bumo did get his goal. As you say, it should have been should have been more really. Um, so yeah, it was it was pretty pleased of eighty three. He was very very lucky with Onana's nine points. Uh, that was yeah. Cool. yeah. It's a bit annoying actually because I did have Onana for a long period um, during preseason, and for some reason, not too sure what it was, probably to save the point five, I opted for Pickford. But I think in our first, I think in the first episode we did do, I was I, I kind of last last minute changed to Saint Johnstone. Didn't I? Uh, not say John, John, um, John Stone, Johnston of um, Crystal Palace, and and he obviously kept the clean sheet as well. So, yeah, I think that's where I lost, made a loss, if any, on other teams that in the goalkeeper position. Yeah, it's, it was. Didn't watch the match at all, so it was just happily checking the score, thinking, "Oh, this seems comfortable." And then afterwards, you look online, and it was the absolute opposite of comfortable. It, it, it sounded just. The the VAR incident, all this lot. So yeah, that was lucky and Chilwell, Stepinian, Saka. Yeah, it was it was decent, good start, good start all around. I think for for those who stuck to the template, um, and certainly on our website on fantasyfootballcommunity.com, we have done our regular articles. Some of them are back to being regular after a summer off. So we've got features like buy, sell, hold, uh, game week differentials, got some team reveals coming up, as well as coverage of other countries, other games like Bundesliga, Serie A, GAFA. Um, I would do a, do a goal piece, um, would usually be a four game week sample, but this time it's purely looking at opening weekends, XG numbers. And that basically revealed that um, Haaland and Isaac overachieved a bit, as you'd expect from the only players that scored twice. Mm. Uh, Eze had a high, a league high of eight shots. So he was very unlucky. So owners owners who got um, Eze's uh, blank, that's uh, probably don't want to make a rash decision based on, on that blank against Sheffield United because he actually did everything but score. Mm. And uh, Nicholas Jackson at Chelsea also blanked, but he had the joint high um, total of three big chances. So that's another one where, okay, it still might be a good idea to to plan for him, maybe. Yeah, I mean, he looked he looked really good. And Liverpool again, you know, we saw that Liverpool conceded a lot of big chances last season, didn't we? So, yeah, no, I think Jack, you know, it was Jackson's first Premier League game. He looked good, lively, had the opportunities. A little bit concerned that he didn't finish one of them. Um, but yeah, I think it's one of those wait and see um, with with Jackson for now, anyway. And you asked 
in one of your pieces, you asked whether managers should wildcard in game week two. Is that um, is that as crazy as it sounds, or is there is there some is the logic to that maybe? I mean, there's a there's 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 a lot of issues with the early wildcard. Is is especially information. There is there's very much a lack of information. Um, so it's just been one game week. Yeah, it's it's been very. Uh... There's very little data to go off, you know. Preseason doesn't really count for that, so yeah, it's, it's a tough one. Unless your team had De Bruyne and Timber, and I don't know some of the names that are about to be sold. Unless it had a drastically unlucky team, yeah, um, yeah. Be... I mean, there's a couple there. There's a couple of there's a couple of uh, factors kind of backing against using the wildcard early. So the the fact that we've got a lack of information is is one of them. You know, get, it was one one game week is just simply not enough, is it? So, and and again and again, a lot of the template players, you know, they did do well. So for for those that own most of them, which you know is, is I imagine is a lot of managers, they probably had a good week. So I think. Unless your team is absolutely ruined after the first game, I think it's, I think a lot of it is just being patient and and just gathering more information. And we also have to kind of look ahead because there's there's fixture swings uh, to attack. You know, uh, fixtures get worse and better for some teams. So yeah, that's that's another factor. And I suppose that wild card would include Liverpool assets for their home match against Bournemouth, and that's probably one of the main topics. Um, going into this weekend, Liverpool home to Bournemouth. Perhaps too much is expected of Liverpool because of last year's 9-0. And there's still like maybe an instinctive, impulsive reaction to seeing the word Bournemouth, which perhaps isn't fair. It's maybe a mind trick because maybe they are good now. Like they were certainly better after that 9-0. That was, that was when Scott Parker was in charge and sort of went wrong after that. But then Gary O'Neill made them better and Iriola's come in with his I mean his his attacking style, I don't know, that that could go wrong at Anfield, but yeah. <laughs> you would think nine this could be famous last words of course, but you'd think that it would be a slightly calmer score than nine nil this time, perhaps. Yeah, I'd imagine so. I mean initial thoughts on Bournemouth were you know they, they looked a lot more positive. It was more, the attack was more free flowing. But then again, you know, Pete managers set out their teams differently in different games, don't they? And obviously, Bournemouth and Gary O'Neill felt that that was, you know, that was that was a fixture that they could attack and win, and and they they came pretty close against West Ham, to be honest. And West Ham, you know, they aren't exactly one of the best teams in the league, are they? So you'd kind of expect any team going into a game against West Ham to have a good crack at it. So I think we we could potentially see a different Bournemouth. Um, from what we saw in game week one, and and it may be a little bit more defensive minded, maybe possibly because that they did win the second meeting last season. That uh, they won the second one one nil. So of course mm. it was a different manager and stuff like that. But that could indicate that they sort of quite quickly learned their lessons about how to defend against Salah, for example. So. But then they've got new players this time. On 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 the left, they've got Milos Kerkes. Um So, I guess in general, it's just hard to predict. It could be anything. Um, but there is sort of a slight 
optimism maybe about Bournemouth. Like they 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 could be quite a canny side this year, but uh, judging it on one game is is uh... yeah, it it is tough, isn't it? I, I suppose when we when we look to the likes of the Liverpool assets, I think if if you've got Salah, then you would probably prefer him in terms of captaincy to Haaland, wouldn't you? Because we, we know that Haaland has, we know that Haaland played 90 minutes in the Super Cup as well. Mm. So, you know, how is that going to affect him? You know, what's that going to do? And, and the fact that Haaland, Haaland is playing against, you know, a really good side in Newcastle. And we kind of don't expect him to get, maybe he doesn't need that many chances, does he, Haaland? But, you know, you'd, you'd kind of expect Salah to outperform um, Haaland and, and 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 that is the case with the projected points on the Fantasy Football Scout website as well. You know, Salah is tipped to pick up more points. But yeah, I mean, I just want to talk about other assets. Have you got your eyes on any other Liverpool assets? Yeah, yeah, I, I do actually. And I don't know, I think the problem sometimes with like, immersing yourself in FPL like all week is that you sort of if even if you do have an idea you quickly see like the mob mentality um is there a nicer way to say that like you see that sort of mass public opinion and it's so easy to stick with that so yeah I was sort of thinking well to, to, especially as my brother has Salah and that, that's gonna hurt so the, the thought was maybe cover that by getting Diaz, I guess, probably has the lead over Jota because he scored against Ooh. Chelsea, Diaz. So you think he's maybe slightly more likely to start, which is part of the big question. Klopp has lots of options. Um, there's definitely um, a thought about taking a very short-term punt on Diaz. Um, but, and I haven't ruled it out, but it's, it's just maybe in the head no one else is thinking about it and then you know is it bad protocol to chase one player in one match mm. like our free transfers are precious stuff like that um but there's definitely a part of me that's thinking well hey the, the game week three fixtures look great for, for for the highly owned arsenal man united man city brighton guys like the team right now has a very good game week three so do we do we do we save our game week transfer as per normal? Because honestly, we could get to next week and think, well, I've got two transfers, but it's a superb lineup. So therefore, could we attack this Liverpool match? And yeah, maybe. I think it'll go down to a late call for me on getting Diaz for Matoma and then maybe moving them on to one of the Spurs mids. But uh but then it's just like um, I do like the Diaz shot because obviously he played really well against Chelsea. I, I thought he was one of Liverpool's best attackers with Salah, obviously. Not that, I mean, they weren't great after the 35-minute mark, Liverpool in general. But I did feel that Diaz, would. You'd, you'd imagine he'd start, wouldn't you? You'd think so. Um, I think, well, yeah, he's the safest shout. And I, 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 I assuming we don't get any clues from Jurgen Klopp, um, I personally preferred to have... Jota is the punt, but I feel like he's less less nailed on for this match. But we just don't know, and, and that that's part of it, really. He did sort of play four of the five forwards against Chelsea, so he's probably going to 
do that again, right? Because yeah, I mean, one one player worth keeping an eye on is is probably Darwin Nunes. Um, yeah. He seems to play against those kind of when Liverpool are in control of a match and you know they're not chasing the game, they don't have to press much. You know, we 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 know that Klopp has kind of criticised Darwin's um, press a little bit in the past, and this is a game where he might not have to press so much, and you'd expect Liverpool to be in complete control or, or at least mostly in control of the game. So I do feel like this game is suited to Darwin Nunes, so he could be an interesting punt out of this one as well. He totally could. It's 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 um it is very tempting the more sort of think about it because there's more than one way to play FPL. And maybe sometimes it's it's easy to to forget that. Like there is more than one way to do it. And yeah, like next week the only thing is several things could emerge over the weekend where, where two transfers would be needed. So if if yeah. Gabriel didn't play against Palace either, I mean, he is basically I probably expect him to to come back in again, but if he if he doesn't, then he is all of a sudden like out, and his price is going to drop accordingly. Um, you know, if if some of the Man United assets blanket Spurs, are, are they going to drop in popularity, stuff like that? So it could emerge that very quickly that two transfers are needed. That's how quickly the game changes, and that security would be nice. But then at the same time, I think well. We're still going to have one transfer next week, and that one transfer can sort out the biggest emergency, especially when the fixtures are so good. But Diaz, he is very tempting. I do want to cover Liverpool. Really, not looking forward to just sort of constantly checking the phone um, every few mm. minutes. And you know, if Salah gets a goal early on, it's just going to be torture. Um, at least by having bought a ticket to the lottery there there's a chance that it could be good news as well. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with Liverpool. You know, they they maintained some of the best um, attacking stats in the league last season, didn't they? So you you would you would expect them to kind of continue that. They, I mean, they are going to be, it's going to be a very nervy watch if you're going into any game without Liverpool attackers, especially Salah and, and especially this week in a week where, you know, he, he is probably the standout captaincy option, isn't he? So, but yeah, it's it's going to be a tough week for non-owners. But I suppose you kind of have to look at it long term sometimes. And Liverpool, they they have a couple of tough fixtures coming up. So they do play Bournemouth, but then they also play Newcastle, Villa. Wolves look good against Newcastle, uh, Man United as well. They do have West Ham and they play Tottenham and Brighton you know, kind of the next six fixtures after that, they don't look great or ideal, do they, for Liverpool? They don't they don't look great. And of course Salah did infamously blank in that nine nil last year. Uh I wouldn't wouldn't bank on it happening again, but uh, and Diaz did score twice that day when Salah blanked. Uh so yeah, the, it's maybe it's a case of we sort of lose the battle but win the war. Like, yes, Salah might haul on Saturday, but we've just got to keep non-owners to keep faith with their squad and say, well, we had a summer to think about this. There's a reason it's like this. It's because there's lots of other great mids as well. Like, yes, maybe Salah does score against Bournemouth, but then Fernandez maybe scores against Spurs. Um, and, you know, lose the battle but win the war. Yeah, 100%. good structure. 
bit of money, couple of transfers. That seems to be the, the sensible way to do it, but you just never know with, with this game. Yeah. I mean, we're always going to have uh, game weeks where the fixtures are perfect. They're really nice. We want to invest more, but long term, it's better to avoid those options. Completely. And last year, actually, that was not only the Trent Alexander-Arnold clean sheet, but he scored and assisted. So he got a massive, I think it might have been 19-point haul. Um, he, he, there was definitely a point over the summer where Trent was like in all all template, like in most teams, but then that sort of changed as people realised how much money could be saved by not going Trent. Um Bournemouth could score there, couldn't they really? They could totally score. Liverpool's defence isn't convincing at all. So even if you've got Alexander-Arnold, you might not even have a clean sheet guaranteed in this match, never mind attacking returns. 100%. Trent didn't look his best against Chelsea. I'm not too sure he created a single chance. I know he I know he got the assist for the offside goal, but he just mm. didn't look in a position um, to create as well as he normally does. So... But again, you're totally right. Bournemouth look um, a better attacking outfit this season. But okay, based on game week one, it's just one week. But but Liverpool have also continued the way that they, they did last season, and that they're conceding a lot of big chances as well. So I, I'm kind of going into that game expecting Bournemouth to score. Yeah, yeah, can see that. Can totally see that. Uh, Liverpool are probably just trying to. So they've missed out twice to Chelsea on, on their sort of main defensive midfield targets and looks like Endo is coming in from Stuttgart instead as sort of a short-term solution to that. But yeah, their midfield is, isn't quite isn't quite there yet, is it? So you've got Trent inverting and I think McAllister's been dropping back, mm. um, which has allowed Gakpo to start in a central position in midfield. So it's sort of that midfield isn't quite right yet. And because of that, yeah, like Trent might be struggling a bit, but uh, we'll just have to see how it develops. That's the thing about FPL starting while the transfer window is still open as well. It's it's sort of, there's still so many questions left. Like there was rumours linking Gabriel with Saudi Arabia the other day, and that was that was a heart in mouth moment. Because uh, yeah, especially this summer with with such high profile moves going on to the to the Middle East, like mm. uh, it's uh, he was so guaranteed in that team from from day one, Gabriel, and all of a sudden now it's <laughs> for a couple of reasons. It's, it's that that's just FPL in a nutshell, basically yeah. what happened pre deadline. So, in terms of rolling transfers, are you looking to roll this week? Or um, as we get closer and closer, I do wonder whether I just stick with the plan of rolling it over in game week three. Just acknowledging that something's going to happen this weekend, isn't it? There's going to be there's going to be some bandwagon. Someone's going to drop in price. Someone like if Fernandez blanked a second time, people are going to panic. Um, so even though, yes, the game week three fixtures now look very, very rosy, um, it could, it could just change, but yeah, but there's certainly a part that like, I think Jurgen Klopp is one compliment of Luis Diaz away in his press conference for me just going, right, he's in, 
Hmm. Um, because I really, really want to cover that, but probably know that it's not the sensible thing to do. But then again, is, is do we have to be sensible with FPL? It's a, it's a game for fun. So well, it's it's yeah. interesting, isn't it? Because when you look ahead, you look at the likes of we we've just started the season. You know, managers weren't sure what they were going to what they were going to do about the Chelsea assets or the Tottenham assets. But what is interesting is that both of those teams, Chelsea and Tottenham, have great fixtures in game week three. That's when mm-hmm. their fixtures get really good. And they both have, I think, a set of three really good fixtures each. So, I mean, by that time, we're probably going to need transfers to bring in Chelsea and Tottenham players. But it also gives us, rolling the transfer also gives us more information about the chat about the Chelsea and Tottenham assets, you know, who is who is a better pick, Ricarlison or Madison? Yes, Madison had a great first week, but that could change, you know, if Ricarlison scored a brace or a hat trick, you know, in game week two, for example. So I think just waiting a little bit longer and trying to work out which one is the actual best asset. And then again, you know, we we like you mentioned Bruno already. Players managers might start looking to move Bruno on but and then you've got the perfect replacement in either Ricarlison or or Madison in game week three um with Chelsea as well you know no okay Jackson he was lively in game week one but you know he wasn't totally convincing but he might have a great game week two and then everyone's like right okay he's going to come in for game week three because the fixtures are good and then another factor, of course, is Reese James. You know, how fit is he going to stay? Do we need to see him in game week two as well before we make the move? You know, if if he looks really fit in game week two, we could then bring him in for game week three. So, so for me, having two fixtures before, um, you know, game week three could be, you know, it could be really, really handy. Yeah. So, so you're you're not doing a Liverpool punt, basically. You're you're keeping it. Well, I'm so I'm completely on the fence. Like I, I, I don't really trust Klopp and uh, in terms of rotating attackers. Like you know, we we we're assuming that Diaz will start again, but would we be massively surprised if he didn't start? And then you've just kind of used a transfer on Diaz, and then you've and then all these other options become available, and you kind of stuck with Diaz. You know it. It's difficult, isn't it? Bournemouth as a fixture is there to, you know, is there to attack, but it it slightly worries me um, in terms of expecting minutes for the likes of Diaz, Yotta, Nunes. You just don't know for sure, do you? Yeah, and he did take them against even against Chelsea when the game was finally poised. He, he, Klopp was subbing them all off, even Salah. He was taking them all off, like in the. 70th minutes, stuff like that. So, um, another red flag slightly. So, that's another red flag. So, th- yeah, yeah, it's probably, yeah, it's not going to happen. Is it? I don't think it is. There's too many, too many red flags. You're right. Thank you for, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's mainly that game week three for me. The game week three swings for me because I look at my team at the moment and Bruno didn't look great against Wolves. You know, maybe Tottenham is a kind of better prospect for him because United are predominantly a counter-attacking team, aren't they? And Tottenham are going to really go for it. So I think Tottenham is probably a better fixture for the likes of Bruno and Rashford. And maybe not, you know, it might work out that he blanks again and looks unconvincing again. Um, and then, you know, 
and, and then are we going to be stuck with Bruno in our teams around game week three when we want the likes of Madison or Ricarlison for those fixtures? So, yeah, there's, there's a lot still up in the air at the moment early on. That actually was roughly one of the questions that was kindly sent in on Twitter from a member of the F- FFC community, um, FPL Buzz. He did ask, the, your opinions on Man United, very underwhelming. How long would you give Rashford and Bruno? So, you know, if um, if this weekend didn't go well, would that be it? Or would you stick with him for uh, Nottingham Forest at home? Stuff like that. I mean, I always came into the season, I'm looking at my team and looking at Bruno. I'm thinking he could be anyone. And I mean, a lot, of, I would, I would at a gas say that a lot of people brought Bruno in because he was so highly owned and because he was a safer pick in general. Yeah, okay, yeah, great and you know underlying data last season, but he was he, he was never a pick for me that was complete. I was completely convinced by, and I also look at him as um, a sacrifice. So, you know, if I needed um, funds or I needed or, or fancy the look of another midfielder, he was always going to be the first to go. So for me. That, I mean, that kind of made that a little bit clearer, the fact that he could be sacrificed that game week one performance because, you know, Wal- you know, Wolves have always been a defensively great team, but I just expected more from United and we didn't get that. In fact, I thought they were poor um, going forward, which is an issue. When you're, when you're owning a, a double attack from a team, you need them to look convincing every single week. And Arsenal did, you know, I had... I had Saka and Martinelli. They looked really convincing, whereas United didn't. So if I get to game week three uh, and Bruno still isn't convincing me, if he has another poor game against Spurs, then he could likely be the perfect replacement for the likes of Madison or Ricarlison. Um, Whereas I'd probably be more inclined to keep Rashford, especially if he kind of plays in a more central striker's role. Yeah. But that's the thing, though, because game week three is on paper such a great fixture, and and Bruno does have penalties. We think so that that that, that could the, the tools are there to sort of immediately make people regret that decision. But yeah, that's it. Like if he's had a couple of poor games beforehand, and there's so many appealing midfielders on the scene. I, I'm saying I've, I've never been a massive Fernandez fan in FPL, but it just he was priced so cheap this time that it just felt like it had to it kind of wished he was 10 million again and then he would never have been in the thoughts but then but then he was down it to 8.5 and it's like well yeah okay fine like he created the most chances out of anyone in the league and he's on penalties okay fine mm. but it wasn't done with any passion or joy <laughs> Yeah, it was. He was just. He just felt like a very safe pick, didn't he? You know, there there was risk starting the season with the likes of Foden, Madison, Ricarlison. You know, whether they returned or not, there was always risk there. And I think Bruno offered safety, didn't he? You know, in terms of reliability of minutes, um, good stats. Um, so yeah, I think that there was there was there was that the fact that he was just a safe pick as well for many, and the penalties, of course. Uh, so that so that match, Spurs v Man United and Man City v Newcastle, I guess highlight the weekend. It's a it's a blank game week technically. Actually, shouldn't have, should have mentioned that already. It's blank game week two. We've only got nine matches because 
Luton versus Burnley was postponed a while ago. Just couldn't guarantee the renovations, stadium renovations will be completed in time. So um, people who have uh, the likes of Jordan Bayer or Issa Kabore on the bench, let's just hope you don't need them auto-subbing because they won't be playing. Um, and yeah, so those two matches are going to highlight the weekend, really. Is there any any real temptation to not Captain Haaland? Because he, he has, I think, he, I didn't watch the match against Sevilla, but did he even have a shot there? It, it looked like another, for his standards, another fairly underwhelming, slightly concerning performance. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, he I think he was rated, I think he got one of the, the lowest player ratings of the whole match. Uh, to be honest. So he had one, I think he had one shot blocked and um, and that was pretty much it. Nothing of note in terms of kind of chances created or, or, sh- or shots on target. He was actually, yeah, one of the poorest, but he also played 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. It is an issue. You know, it, it does make you think, obviously when you're going into this week, Haaland is the safest pick. You know, everyone's probably going to captain him based off fear of, what he is capable of in general and based off his ownership and stuff. And I think it's also really important to to take into account that there aren't too many other options in terms of captaincy. You know, you look at the likes of Watkins, maybe at Everton, it's not really convincing. There is Saka who looks in, you know, he, he looks in great form, but is Crystal Palace away going to be an easy game? You know, they, they, they seem to be defending well. They, maintain good defensive stats last season as well and then you look at the United the United duo you know the likes of Rashford and Bruno didn't look convincing enough in game it won to actually give them the armband so yeah I mean it's kind of an elimination process in a sense where there's not too many standout options for those looking to go off um, Haaland other than the Liverpool guys yeah lots of away games Really, isn't it? Um, yeah, absolutely not going to claim that Haaland is uh, in a crisis and has lost his form because he's capable of hat-tricking against anybody at any time. But yeah, it was just strange that there was there was the Community Shield, Game Week 1, Sevilla, the end of last season, like the Champions League final, like a bit of a dry spell for him. So I think it's probably the worst time for man When you see Salah... This weekend is probably the worst time for your captain to your Haaland captaincy, really, because it looks slightly worrying, but very, very aware that those words could backfire, especially when it's against your own team as well. So, yeah, don't expect Newcastle to keep a clean sheet at sea. Although, actually, in fairness, I mean, the nature of Twitter or X, whatever it is now, um, I think some of the Newcastle fans. Saw that Man City were taken all the way to penalties, 90 minutes. I think only one substitution was made. And, you know, they're thinking, we can have a go at these. Like, we can go to Etihad and just beating Villa 5 1. Like, there's not, a, I think there's like a slight vibe that this game could be there, but it's taking if we, if we want to. But that could, uh, that's never a, it's never a good idea to, to, to be. I mean, that's that's the thing, isn't it? You look at the fixtures on paper, and and you know you take into account that 
Haaland did do 90 minutes. You know, Manchester City have also got a lack of kind of squad depth now, which is weird to say. But, you know, this, this, if there is a, if there is a time to risk it, the captaincy, maybe game week two, but then is it too early to start taking risks? You know, it's, it's one of them, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a tough all around decision. It is. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's the reason why we play, I suppose. Um, and I suppose another question from the community is sort of linked in with asking just about your team in general, Lewis, because so we know that you're probably not going to use a transfer this week and that your captaincy's probably staying on Haaland. But what are you planning to do with your team? Because Finbar Bevan asks about Matt Turner starting in goal. Yeah. So, OK, firstly, I should probably mention the only transfer I have considered this week is Saliba to Reese James and have both Chilwell and James. Oh, but again, I kind of touched upon this earlier that it could be a case of wait and see on in terms of James, even if Poch does say that James is going to start the game and he's fully fit. It was just slightly concerning to see him tired that early in the game. Um, so yeah, I'm, I think the chances are again that I will um, roll the transfer. But in terms of the goalkeepers, so I have decided to bench Pickford and start Turner. Um, Turner, I just I, I just think Crystal Palace look good defensively, but Sheffield United also look really bad um, offensively. We know we know they sold lots of key players in the in the summer. God knows why, because you know this is the Premier League and they need to strengthen, not weaken. But yeah, I just think losing their top scorer, Iliman and and Di, um, is is a big big loss and. They didn't look great in game week one, um, Sheffield United. In fact, they they look it they were quite, it looked quite concerning actually how how they were playing. So yeah, for me, um, Nottingham Forest I think did okay against Arsenal. You know there was a bit of fight back at the end, but ultimately they were against one of the best attacks in the league, who everyone expected to score two or three goals. So for me, I think starting Turner, um. Over an honour because you know United have got Tottenham. Tottenham look a lot better in terms of attack. You know it's more free flowing. They've got um, creativity in Madison now. There's a lot of confidence at Tottenham at the moment, and um, I think the the amount of chances that that United did concede to Wolves. I think they conceded over two expected goals at home, which which is a, wow. a big concern. And um, and Wolves should have scored, but you know we know that Wolves haven't got the ammunition in attack to to score goals. They showed that last season. And um, but yeah, concerning uh, concerning expected goals conceded numbers from United there. So I I would expect Tottenham to score, but I would expect Turner and um, Nottingham Forest to keep the clean sheet against Sheffield United. Yeah, and I suppose this question specifically asked Turner or Onana, and I can take that because because they are my two goalkeepers. Um, I'll, I'll also be starting Matt Turner. I think sometimes we, we do stare at the fixtures too much and sometimes you have to take a step back and say, well, it's still a Nottingham Forest goalkeeper. Like, are you really going to play him over your Man United goalkeeper? But Sheffield United at home probably is that exception. 
because yeah, and, say that, that think, is probably one of maybe two fixtures at most where you, where you would do that, and and we've got it straight away. Yeah, hundred percent. And what I was going to add to that is it is is kind of even if Sheffield United do have shots, that the lack of quality up front suggests that Turner could get the get the save points as well. So that that kind of does feel like there's potential for save points and clean sheets there. So the kind of combination in that compared to that with Anana, it just feels a, a lot more comfortable with with Turner. We always get an early season four million hero, so this, this could be it. This could be it this year. Yeah, um, and we have touched on Spurs slightly there. Um, number ten from the community has asked: Is Madison actually worth it? Because um, a bandwagon is starting to emerge in terms of transfers, and it's probably going to escalate um, heading into game week three. It was a promising performance from him, but is, is he worth? Is he being overhyped, basically? Well, it's difficult, isn't it? You know, he's going into a tough, a potentially a tough game against United. He he had, I mean, Brentford didn't look great, um, but Spurs also looked really good going forward. And a large part of that was because of Madison. You know, he picked up two assists, nine point return. You know, we, we can take from that that he that he he fits straight into Tottenham, looks good straight away. However, I'm not, again, going back to kind of waiting for the game week three fixtures to get better, I, I would probably wait um, for that because the chances are we could also see maybe Ricarlison become a better option as well than he than he was um, prior to game week one or after game week one. You know, they, he could have one good game against United and then you've got people who've got to make that tough decision between goal threat or assist potential because that's what you basically going to get with Madison isn't it mainly assist potential um, mainly kind of you know distribution-y kind of stuff whereas Ricarlison could be goal threat could be you know so again it's it's going back to that point of being patient and waiting rolling the transfers and then making a decision when the game week three fixtures turn good for Tottenham that's it. But the, the two teams that we, we talk about having great fixtures from game week three are the two that are maybe amongst the most likely to make a late transfer, which which is complicated slightly because I suppose Chelsea, with the Nkunku injury, could there be more coming in? And of course, with Spurs, with the Harry Kane money, like we can't guarantee yet that... Um, I mean, they've been linked with Lukaku and, and, some, other, and some other players, but... Uh, we're not 100% sure yet that Richarlison will have that spot. So um, any sort of extra week um, for events to unfold would be appreciated, really. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd want to be sure. I think that's that's the bottom line. I think yeah. when you're kind of making decisions between players, you know, you like, you know, and, and, and sort of the listeners that when you could pick between a player and the other player, there could be a massive swing between point swing between those players. So getting the decision is, is absolutely key. You know, we want to get as much information, make the decision. And then whatever happens, you can just kind of look back and say, yes, I did make the right decision based off, you know, the information that I had. And, and that's what FPL is, isn't it? You know, kind of making this, make, trying to make the right decisions. And again, just to highlight um, the potential of, you know, maybe Reese James and, and, and Chilwell, a lot of managers won't have both. 
but they'll want to make the right decision. Again, Chilwell, you know, he looks like the far better option at the moment. But, you know, say game week two comes, uh, Reese James win, takes a penalty, scores and, and, and picks up, a you know, an assist or, or something because he looked really um, good in terms of assist potential. You know, could that change people's minds in terms of Chilwell James? Again, a lot of people already own Chilwell. Um, but it, it's similar to the Madison and, and Ricarlison so, uh, uh, choice. So I think picking the right player and, and waiting that extra week will give us the tools we need to pick the right player, I think. Has, has there been any confirmation yet about, about James on penalties? Is, 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 the, is the indication still that it, that it would be him? Uh, yeah, so I think it was last season. Again, this is last season, but you know we base these things off information. Um, Reese James did say that he was amongst the options to take penalties behind Havertz, and Havertz is now gone. Reese James is now captain, so you know it, it is likely. I mean, Enzo mm. Fernandez is also another possibility. You know, he started taking corners. Chilwell and Reese James didn't take any corners against Liverpool. It was Enzo Fernandez. Mm, that's you're right about the captain thing because that gives James the right to overrule anyone. Um, if if someone like Jackson, I don't know if I'm not sure if he was on them at Villarreal, but if, if someone like Jackson wanted to pick up the ball and take the kick, James would be like, "No, I'm captain. I'm taking it." Sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, if the bottom line is we we don't really know who is going to take penalties, but I think a lot of Chelsea fans. With Nkunku out, um, would would back Reese James, and if not, maybe Jackson or Enzo. That that would be a, a game changer if if uh, we find that out quickly. And the final question that we received was from Douglas Maregua, and he asks, "Will will Foden really start? Because he got all ninety in midweek against Sevilla. So he, he started at, he started game week one, and he played all of midweek. So is that?" Based on the past, does that therefore mean it's time for his rest or the brain injury probably changes things? Yeah, I, you know, we've 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 seen a lot in the past that trying to guess and predict Pap is, is, is you know, sometimes silly. But I think the more, again, it's going back to that, the fact that we have to take, you know, we have to deal with the information we've got. And we know that Foden's starting now. You know, we know that Manchester City have got a lack of maybe attacking options and options in the midfield and front line. So I do think that Foden will start. Um, I don't. I didn't think he looked necessarily great in game week one, um, but I think he, he looked okay in the Super Cup. You know, he 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 created three key passes, had a couple of shots. So I think he looked quite um, quite appealing there, and. I, I do think he'll start, yeah. Well, that's a good place to wrap things up, I believe. Um, we've, we've covered game week two in, in a bit of depth there. So it's been a pleasure to have you on this pod, Lewis. Um, anything else you'd like to add before we go? Or not? It was just to kind of highlight the fact that I, I do think role in the transfer this week is is probably the best. But I think... The, the Liverpool fixture looks great, doesn't it? You know, it, you look at it and think, ooh, could I take a punt there? You know, but I think looking at those game week three, uh, two of uh, game week three fixture swings for Chelsea and, and, and Spurs is just, 
it's just too good to not have two transfers for if you mm. can if you can keep the transfers. Yeah, that sounds great expertise as always. And uh, please make sure to check out FF Community's improved website, which covers fantasy games for the Premier League, Champions League, MLS, and several European leagues. And give us a follow on Twitter at FF Community underscore. And thank you for listening. We hope to see you back here next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.